Good morning. Thank you for joining us for our 10 o'clock service. I am Stephen Azera, the teaching pastor of Calvary Baptist Church. Uh, We are located in Phillipsburg, Kansas, and we are grateful that you have decided to tune in and listen to our preaching and teaching ministry. Uh, Our prayer is that we are a blessing to you and to your family. And we encourage you that if you are in the area, uh, we would love to have you as our visitors. Uh, If you're not in the area, we do encourage you to find a local church in your area that you and your family can uh, become members of and commit to. Uh, Our study of 10 o'clock is in the 1689 Second London Baptist Confession of Faith. We are in chapter 12, uh, the section on adoption. And paragraph one says, God has granted that all those who are justified would receive the grace of adoption in and for the sake of his only son, Jesus Christ. By this, they are counted among the children of God and enjoy the freedom and privileges of that relationship. They inherit his name, receive the spirit of adoption, have access to the throne of grace with boldness, and are enabled to cry, Abba, Father. They are given compassion, protected, provided for, chastened by him as a father. Yet they are never cast off, but are sealed for the day of redemption and inherit the promises as heirs of everlasting salvation. From chapters 10 through 17, the emphasis of the Baptist Confession is on the order of salvation. The order of salvation is the sequence of events that God performs in our lives in order to accomplish our redemption. This sequence begins before the foundation of the world. It begins before you're even created. Uh, The sequence begins with divine election. Uh, Before God created the world, he chose a certain number of people that he would save. And this certain number of people uh, is called the elect. And then at some point in their lives, God calls them by his spirit. He justifies them and he adopts them into his family. God welcomes the sinner into his family. So those who God elects, he calls. Those he calls, he justifies. And those who God justifies, he adopts. Everything that's involved in our redemption, including adoption, is a work of God alone. We do not partner with God in our salvation in any aspect of it. We don't partner with him in election, calling, justification, adoption, sanctification, glorification, none of it. There isn't a a single step in our salvation where we partner with God. God does the work alone. Concerning adoption... Uh, Our adoption by God is very similar to the adoption of a human by another human. For instance, a mom and dad, uh, they decide that they want to adopt a child. And so they contact the adoption agency. Uh, The process begins 
And then finally, they're given options of a, a son or daughter that they want to adopt. And the parents, the mother and father, choose the child. It's not the other way around. Uh, the child does not choose the parents whom he wants to be adopted by. The parents make the choice. And when it comes to God's adoption of sinners, he makes the choice. The choice belongs to God. The Bible teaches that when a sinner is adopted by God, he becomes a part of God's family. Uh, the church is known as uh, a family of faith. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, uh, that the church is the household of faith. Paul says in Ephesians 3.15 that heaven, the people that are in heaven, uh, are a whole family of people. And so the Christian, when he's adopted by God, he's adopted into the family of God. What, by what means are we adopted into the family of God? Well, it ain't by works. It's not by our works. It's not by our merit. God does not look at us and say, you know what? He's worthy to be adopted or she has done something that would persuade me to adopt her. No, the instrument is faith. Faith alone. When a sinner embraces the gospel of Jesus by faith alone, God graciously receives that sinner into his family. What's significant about adoption, and just like everything else in God's plan of redemption, not only is it a work of God alone, but all three persons of the Trinity participate in adoption. Uh, Jesus, obviously the, one of the central figures of our adoption, uh, it is by his works, it is by his merit. Uh, our adoption is possible because Jesus has done the work. He took on human flesh. He lived a sinless life. He took upon our sins on the cross. He was crucified. He was buried and he resurrected from the dead. So by faith in that work of Christ, we become adopted sons of God. And so Christ's work is really at the center of our adoption. But the Father and Spirit work as well. Of course, the Father chooses who he wants to adopt. It is his sovereign choice. Uh, he done, he's done this before. We could do anything good or bad. God has chosen us before the foundation of the world. It's simply by his will, his sovereign choice. And the Spirit, the Spirit is the one that communicates the adoption to us. He communicates the benefits of the adoption. And we'll, we'll get to that later. The Holy Spirit communicates the assurance that we need to know and to believe that, you know what, we are adopted children of God. The Holy Spirit uh, applies the atonement of Christ to us and whereby our sins are forgiven. And so God accepts us into his family as, as righteous people because our sins have been cleansed. And so all three persons of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, just like everything in redemption, they participate in our adoption. Uh, the term adoption is, is strictly a New Testament 
a Greek word. Uh, it comes from two separate Greek words, meaning to give status as a son. It, it describes a change in a relationship. Uh, before the adoption took place, the relationship between God and sinners was estranged. But through adoption, that estrangement, the estranged parties embrace. We become family. God becomes our father. We become his son. And so we're just not any old member, right? We receive the status of a son. And so adoption describes a supernatural change in the status. We go from being enemies of God and God being our judge to being sons of God and God being our father. And what a change, right? What a, what a miraculous change of events in a sinner's life when it comes to adoption. I mean, think about that for a minute. You, you go from being an enemy. You go from being a, a sinner who is under the judgment of God. You are under the wrath of God. You, you have Adam's curse. You're, you're dead in sin. You're, you live in darkness. God is a judge to you. You're terrified of him. Uh, the prospect of standing before a holy God uh, is you're petrifying, right? You're at your, it's awful to think about. And that's our reality. That's the reality of every single sinner. But through one chain of events, right? What, what, obviously many, but just particularly the, the gospel and, and embracing the gospel by faith that this one miraculous event changes that sinner's status. You know, uh, Martin Luther would say, simul justice et peccator. At the same time, both a sinner and righteous. The status changes from being an enemy to God, uh, being uh, under the judgment of God, God being your judge, terrified of him, to going now, becoming a son. God is your father. You're a member of his family. You're righteous in his sight. What a, what a miraculous change of events for the sinner. From an enemy to a son. And, and that term son is, is significant. It's very important. It, it drives me up a wall. Well, not that bad. It, in, inside, right, I'm not going to express my displeasure with the person. But it, it, it displeases me when people try to insert gender-neutral pronouns into the doctrine of adoption. What I mean by that is there is a reason, there is a specific reason why the authors of the New Testament, ultimately God, but the human authors of the New Testament specifically 
call Christians who have been adopted by God sons of God. There's a reason why the apostles, in particular the apostle Paul, says that those who have been adopted by God are sons of God. They they become sons of God and not daughters, right? The, the Greek word is literally a son. It's, it's the masculine pronoun for son. It's the masculine noun for son. Weos. It's not daughter. And, the, and there's a reason why. The New Testament writers, in particular Paul, he was addressing uh, those that were living under Roman law, right? The time of the apostles, uh, the time of Jesus, uh, the Roman Empire had control over uh, the, especially the nation of Israel, but Asia Minor, uh, Palestine, um, a, a, a big area. And, and the events of the New Testament Everything that you read in the New Testament is under the Roman Empire. And so when Paul's addressing the church and explaining to them about their adoption, these are people who were living under the Roman Empire and the rule of the Roman Empire. They were subject to Roman law. And under Roman law, the adopted child received the same rights as a natural-born son. So whether it be an adopted son or adopted daughter, whatever the gender of the adopted child was, they received the status as if they were the natural-born son. Because under Roman law, the natural-born son received certain privileges and certain rights that a natural born daughter would not receive. Um, and this is the reason why the apostles, in particular Paul, uses the term we are sons and not daughters because those that he's writing to would know the significance of a son and how the son would receive all the privileges and all the rights and, and the status he would receive an inheritance and promises and, and privileges that a daughter wouldn't get. And so when the apostles are explaining to us our adoption, what they're saying is that when God adopts you, the privileges and the promises and the gifts and the benefits that you receive are similar to what a natural born son would receive from his father. And again, it's not daughters, it's sons. Natural born sons receive the privileges and the rights and the promises and the gifts, not the daughters. And that's why the apostles use the term sons and not daughters when talking about our adoption. Listen, listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. So then... The law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian for in Christ you are all sons of God through faith. 
Galatians chapter 4, the very next chapter in verse 1, Paul says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, you see that? In the same way, the natural born son, we also. When we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. See how specific Paul is? Two places where he's talking about adoption, he uses gender-specific pronouns. His, he, sons, masculine. Why? Because of how the Romans treated a natural-born son in their society. And Paul is saying it is very similar to how God treats sinners that he adopts into his family. That the natural born son, he will receive the privileges and the promises, the status, the gifts, the benefits. So do those who God adopts into his family as sons. What does our adoption mean for us? Well, first, it means, again, the change in the status, a change in the relationship. And, and it's a relationship with God, and I just don't mean God the Father. It's a change in the relationship with God the Father, our, our relationship with God the Son, and our relationship with God the Holy Spirit. The entire relationship with God, all three persons of the Godhead, it is changed because of our adoption. These relationships are brand new. The father, he no longer treats us as a judge. He no longer treats us as a slave. He is no longer a slave master. He is no longer a judge. The father becomes a father. Remember when Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene on the morning of his resurrection, he says to her, go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and to your father. Now that God does not treat us like a judge, we, we have no fear. Uh, we, we have no fear of death. We have no fear of his wrath. We have no fear of his judgment. Since God is our father, we, we're not... Uh, terrified to approach him. We're not like Adam. Remember Adam in the garden when he, when he became a sinner, he, he ran from God. Now that we are adopted by God as sons, we, we can approach him with confidence. He is accessible. He is approachable. No longer does God punish us, but he disciplines us. And there is a difference between punishment and discipline. The purpose of punishment is to hurt. It's punitive. But the purpose of discipline is to correct us. It's the purpose is instruction. For what purpose? So that we don't persist in sin. 
so that we don't perish and fall away. God watches over us. He he disciplines us. He disciples us. He provides us with all that we need in order to live a godly life. And so this change in the relationship with God the Father, pretty significant, wouldn't you say? The relationship with the Son of God also becomes new. He becomes our brother. Think about that. We share the same father. Jesus even calls us brother in Hebrews chapter 2. The author says that Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers. We, we obtain the same legal status. We, we become joint heirs with him. All that Christ inherits as a son of God, as a son of his father, we inherit those same privileges. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit is brand new upon our adoption. The Spirit dwells in the children of God. He communicates the benefits of our adoption. He guides us in obedience to the Father. The Scripture says the Holy Spirit leads us. Romans 8.14, For as many that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. If you're not walking after the Spirit, if you're not walking according to the Spirit, the Scripture says you're an illegitimate son. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. He teaches us how to pray. He teaches us how to call upon God as our Father. Previously, we were ignorant, right? We didn't know how. We were were not willing to call God upon our Father. We were afraid of Him. But that Holy Spirit, when He comes into us, he nurtures, us, he nurtures us, teaches us how to call upon God as our Father. He walks with us every step of the way. So adoption brings about a brand new relationship with all three members of the Godhead. Our status with all three persons changes because of our adoption. And not only that, we also experience a change in relationship with humans. Remember, we are adopted into the family of God. There there are other sons who become our brothers. This family includes the local church, but it also includes the universal church. We have brothers that are in other cities and other states and other nations. They don't look like us. They don't speak the same language as us, but we still have the same father. We're obligated to love and to care for them wherever they are, to pray for them, to remember their suffering and remember their chains. We intercede on their behalf. We we provide for their needs because we're a part of the same family. There's also a change in our relationship that we have with unbelievers. Before our adoption, we were related to them. We all had Satan as our father. We were all part of Adam's fallen race. But when we are adopted by God, we are taken from we are taken from that family, the family that has Satan as the father. Our brothers are unbelievers. And we're removed from that family. And so spiritually speaking, the adoption that we receive from God 
causes us to be estranged from the world. We're no longer estranged from God. We're united to him and we're members of his family, but we become estranged from the world. And the scripture teaches us to recognize this change, that we're no longer to be of the world, to live like the world. So adoption brings changes to our relationships with God, including God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Our adoption brings change within our relationship with other believers. And our adoption brings change in our relationship with sinners. One more thing about adoption and the change. It brings a change in our citizenship. Adoption makes us citizens of heaven. We're no longer citizens of the world. Uh, in fact, the scripture says that those who are adopted by God, the adopted sons of God, we are aliens. We are pilgrims in the world. We're exiles. We're just passing through because our citizenship is in heaven. And so the responsibility to live as adopted children of God. Our adoption status doesn't doesn't save us. You know, our faith in Christ saves us, but our adoption does justify whether we are saved. You know, it's just like works. Works, works don't save us in the sense they make us right with God, but works do justify our faith. Do you have sincere faith? Yeah, then you'll have works, right? Adoption works the same way. Are you truly adopted by God? Yeah, then you'll live a certain way in the world. How do you know that you're saved? Because you have fruit. How do you know you've been adopted by God? Because you have fruit. You're a citizen of heaven, no longer of this world. Satan's no longer your father. You're not united in the death of, of, of Adam. No. You're adopted into God's family. You're a citizen of heaven. He is your father. Jesus is your brother. The Holy Spirit is your helper and counselor. What are some of the benefits of our adoption? What are some of the privileges? The first is we're set free from the bondage of sin. We're set free from the bondage of earthliness. Hell, the curse, judgment. We're no longer union with Adam's sin. Our adoption frees us from that bondage to Adam. It frees us from our bondage to sin, to his unholy offspring, to his curse. We're taking out of that family. And, and that's what I want you to understand this morning. God adopting you removes you from that family, a family of sin and death, where Satan's your father, sin is a master over you. God takes you out of that family and he places you into his family. So that's one of the great benefits of our adoption. We, we are in the family of God. We are no longer a family of death. We have access to God. When Adam, I mentioned earlier, when Adam sinned against God in the garden, he hid from God. He was terrified. 
Sin ruins that relationship between God and man. The, the relationship is broken. There is a wall of hostility. But through Christ, that wall of hostility is broken down. That broken relationship is restored. You're, you're no longer tied to Adam and his sin. But now you belong to God. You are in Christ. You, you now have access to God. He welcomes you to him. And so we don't come with trepidation, not even after we sin. We, we, we don't even hide from God and we don't even run away from him even when we commit acts of sin. The scripture says we boldly approach the throne of grace because that's what we expect to receive from God, his grace. Because God has promised to give us his grace. Another benefit of our adoption is discipline. The scripture says God chastises his sons. In fact, the scripture says if God does not discipline you, then you're not his son. And so receiving discipline from the Lord is one of the main distinctions between a Christian and a non-Christian. A non-Christian doesn't receive discipline. He receives punishment. He receives judgment and condemnation. God just allows him to keep persisting in his sin and going down the wayward path, drowning in his unholiness and his unrighteousness. But Christians, since we are sons, we receive discipline from God, our Father. And it's loving discipline. John Owen says God's discipline is training ground for the soul. If you're not disciplined by God, you should question the legitimacy of your adoption. If a child is not disciplined by his father and the father continues just to live a wayward life without warning him and discipline him and chastising him, that son should question the love of his father. And we should do the same. And if God allows us to uh, keep going down the uh, uh, destruction, the road of destruction and sin without discipline, without chastising us, instructing us and correcting us, then he doesn't love us. And that's the benefit of our adoption. God's discipline. We have access to God, right? We, we're united to him. He's approachable. And we are free from the bondage of, of our previous family, of, of Adam and and his offspring that is under sin and death and the curse of the fall. Adoption changes everything about us. Our relationships, our lives, our, our future. Everything's changed. In an instant. In an instant. It's not progressive, right? You don't become more and more adopted each and every day or less and less a child of God the more you sin. No, it is instant, full status as sons. Full status. That never changes. 